do think you're entertaining. Oh, you're welcome. You know, <laughs> if nothing else, like there have been times that I really kind of wanted to choke you out a few times. That's important. But it, it's at the same time I go home and I'm like, you know, yeah, Tony's cool as heck. That's the key to arguing. If people don't want to choke you out by the end of the argument, you're doing it wrong. Right, right. That's how I think anyway. I mean, you know, it doesn't mean your argument has any validity. It just means that you argue well. Right. <laughs> oh, we forgot to when Tony walked in. We forgot to go. Hootie hoo. I did tell Lisbeth to never fear it's not the mouse in the walls if she hears us, but she needs to be on here. We're not convinced. We need to line this up. Maybe we do. Yeah. Um, Hi, Lisbeth. We love you. In the other room. (laughs) Quite literally. Oh, jeez. Is it really bad? I was just going to say, come here, but in the wrong language. It's going to like, cook my love. You know? German. So. Oh, oh, I was like, what language is that? Completely wrong. Language. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm kind of proud that I thought of a foreign language that quick. I'm like, wait, what? Wrong one. <laughs> it's something. It's something. It's, it's an effort. It is. <laughs> oh, my wordness, wordness, wordness. We need a dictionary. I don't think that's, <laughs> how, that's, I don't think how, that's how effort is defined, okay. but okay. <laughs> um, good afternoon, dear listeners. What yeah. is this we're looking at? Just <laughs> Are there memes being circulated? No. Chelsea asked us if we need to say we're, if we're being injured and are we okay? Okay. She heard the howling. She heard the howling. I know. It was really the hooting. So, yeah, that's the safe word. Hooting means call the police. Oh, she's howling right there. She's right there. This is going to yes. be great. So we've already... We need to dial it up. What are you reading? What am I reading? Yes. Dear listeners, I, I am reading... that question. I am reading Legends and Lattes by Travis, oh my gosh. Baldry. Baldry, thank you. Travis Baldry. And it's a delightful little, I, I've been going, I'm riding high on what you called earlier in the week, a cozy fantasy. Mm. I stole that from Tor.com. But it's perfect, it really <laughs> is. Uh, colossally sized orc warrior decides to give up the mercenary trade and she opens up a coffee shop. And, like, everyone she runs in, like, makes connections with, she's got this little, um, I don't think they said what kind of species he is within the fantasy world, but he makes me think of a Kenku, if anyone's familiar with D&D, like the nonverbal birds. Uh Um, But he's master baker, he's cooking up cinnamon rolls, and, like, just... Carry on. It's it's just making me happy. So what what Andy is really saying is this is a D and D coffee shop AU. Yes. Yeah, yes. but it's also like super lesbian too, isn't it? Yeah. They haven't gotten there yet. Oh, okay. Um There is a even there's really leaning into coffee shop. There's this one student from the local like ac- like uh, academy. Wizard College. He just comes in and he's like, oh, I don't need anything to eat. I'm just gonna do my homework here. No, you gotta buy something. But I don't want anything. Um, <laughs> so it, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Legend and La- Legends and Lattes by uh, Travis Baldry. I'm also... No, I'm not reading it anymore. I just finished The Sentence by Louise Erdrich. How was that? I was going to ask you the other day. I think I would... I, I, just, I cannot listen to her narration. <laughs> I saw that you were complaining. Is she Twitter the one narrating that. it? Huh? She is the one narrating it. Yeah. Her last couple... Well, in years past, she's been... Uh, other narrators have picked up the work for her. She's been just too busy. Um, but... Her kids are grown. She's got a little more time on her hands. She wants to narrate her own work. And I think that's very important for someone who, like, oral traditions are that big of a thing. 
and I want to love her narration. I just don't. Two books in, I'm like, I can't listen to her narration. Her books, I think, are great. Mm -hmm. But there's that. But I finished that. I still need to figure out, like, I think I, I think I like the story. I just, I had to get over, like, the, the voice. Wow, it was that bad? Um, Tells you everything you need to know already. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I did start, what is it? Give me a second here. Uh, what am I listening to? I am also listening to Load, Load, Load. It's called The Whalebone Theater. Oh, that's the... By uh, Joanna Quinn, read by Olivia Vinal. That's the uh, yeah. Read with from like last month or something. Yeah, the cover for that is kind of cool. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm about five minutes into it. I like the voice. Okay. Um, and I'm hoping it's a good one. I hope so too. Amen. That's what I'm reading. That's me. Miss Supreme Overlord, Aaron. I'm flipping my uh, hair that is currently tied up. Um, uh, for the first time, I'm actually going to like say that I'm reading fan fiction. I, I don't think I've ever said that I'm actually re actually physically reading one. You at the did, moment. but it was for a fan fiction episode. Yeah, uh, which so, was appropriate. Yeah, but I'm also reading a couple manga, but like I'm reading Hero Plus Civil Warfare. It's a My Hero Academia fan fiction. Okay. Uh, I, I have explained this to you at some point. I, I remember. Think so. Yeah. Yes, you did. So yes. the whole entire premise of this whole fan fiction, and this is one that I keep coming back to reread because it is literally that good. <laughs> um, so basically, the whole entire main group, because this is like a classroom of kids who are trying to become superheroes for anybody who hasn't actually watched My Hero Academia, mm -hmm. nor have they read it, which is a nightmare right now. But um, <laughs> how it works is this is kind of like an alternate universe where there's a moment during the school year where they split up the class in half. Half of them are going to be heroes and half of them are going to be villains and they have to go into a like a city simulation mm -hmm. gym thing where um, all the villains have a certain amount of tasks that they have to complete and the heroes win if they can stop them throughout their tasks and capture them all. Mm. However, the villains win if they can complete all of their tasks and how it works is is that there's seven days of prep time and then there's three days inside the city for them to actually make this all happen. So basically this is like a giant school project for superhero school? It's like an exam, almost. And it's... Wow, I didn't realize that Harry Potter was missing something so simple, but it really was. And it, <laughs> like, what? It's one of those things where, like... The way that it's written just makes me really want this to be an actual physical book in my hand. So print it off and bind it. And I physically so. want to see it on a screen <laughs> is kind of how I want this. Oh, to, like, it sure. is one of those where I'm like, uh, okay. Like, as an anime, right? Yeah, either that or, like, even live action. Really? Yeah. Okay. Like, the way that it's explained, the way that it's written, like, the characters that just get involved in the tasks that they have to do... Mm -hmm. Really just kind of screw your mind up for a hot minute. <laughs> yeah, you know what, um, why not? And then I'm also playing Pathfinder Kingmaker. Ooh. Oh, nice. The video game version, which is like just a single player game. Okay. Uh, right now I'm rolling through a cave and I hate spider swarms and I never want to see them ever again. Well, see, not playing no, that no, game. No, no, they're these, they, you can't really see that they're spiders. Boo, you said swarm. There's just yeah. so many of them. That no, it's like a big it, black it, man. They look like little like dots and they just kind of go everywhere. But the only way to fight them is if you have fire magic or if you have okay. a torch. And I hate every second of it because I only have two torches. 
One person has burning hands for one one turn and one turn only, and the rest of them all have weapons, and there's six of them. You have to understand that I know the Skyrim map so well that there are entire sections that I will avoid until, I'm, the spiders. A, until I am a strong enough magician that it doesn't matter. Are I'm you just, telling me that you like, avoid the rift in woods because of the spiders? Absolutely. <laughs> I almost used the F word. Like, <laughs> uh uh-uh, uh, we don't do that. Like, ugh. Grant. <laughs> Moi? Yes. yes. What are you reading, Grant? What am I reading? Lord what? Ish. Lord oh. Ish. That is I. I guess. <laughs> Um, so, after last episode, I read the new Cormac McCarthy book. Yes. The Passenger. How is it? Oh, boy. Yeah? Yeah. It's, 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 it's a noise. So how does it rank in the Cormac McCarthy oeuvre? I mean, I have not read all of his stuff. How much? You've read a few, though, haven't you? Yeah, I've read Blood Meridian, The Road, um, No Country for Old Men. Okay, so did like you grab the, the next so one? like the hits. Mm-hmm. Did you grab the next? I one? did grab the next one. That's what I'm reading currently. Oh, um, which is yeah. So that's right. They released two at a time. Was that? Well, the the uh, the passenger was released like two months ago. Yep. Yeah, and then Stella something. Stella Maris, mm. um, which is which is described as like a coda or oh, a companion right. to it, mm-hmm. was just released. Um, and I mean. Long story short, it's incredible. Yeah, but that's kind of that kind of goes without saying. It's Cormac McCarthy. Sure, sure. Um, yeah. So plot wise, it is it, like well, the overall story is a brother and sister. Um, their father was one of the men who helped create the atomic bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're both it, the brother and sister. Both in their own ways are kind of child prodigies. Um, and throughout the years, just a lot of, a lot of stuff happens. Yeah. Um, and the first book follows the brother. The second book follows the sister. Oh, okay. Um, the, uh, the books are made, uh, so the books themselves, um, well, the first one's pretty, like, the majority of it, it's a collection of individual conversations. Oh, okay. That the brother has with these, you know, people and stuff. There's a lot of ruminations on philosophy mm-hmm. and physics, mm-hmm. um, and I guess Cormac McCarthy, like whatever, whatever uh, university he is kind of resident at or whatever. He mm-hmm. he's kind of friends with the, you know, theoretical physicists and stuff. So there's a lot of it, it feels very authentic. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just a very, very dark rumination on the stuff I said previously, and yeah. uh, you know, family and. The end of humanity. So, <laughs> well, I mean, you know. Um, and then Stella Maris is, um, it's one long conversation, basically. It's, hmm. the sister is at a mental institution. She, mm-hmm. admit, she, uh, you know, admitted herself, and it's, it's basically just a record of her talking with the therapist. Um, yeah. It's really, really, really good. Yeah, that's fascinating. There has to be someone out there, well, there will be, I won't have to do it. I'll hmm. just wait until they do it. Okay. There has to be someone out there waiting to write about the structural differences of representing gender because you have this structure for the boy book and the girl book has a completely different structure. And what does that say about our perceptions of, or at the very least, Cormac's perceptions of, you know, boys and girls, men and women, yeah. you know, it's interesting you bring that up because in The Passenger there is a trans character. Mm. And to me, I was scared. 
Because he's an old guy from Texas. Yes. Oh. But yes. I thought he handled it in a very, if not perfect sure. manner, he handled it in a very interesting, thoughtful mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Uniquely him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, you know, not making any judgments on it, but if you were to read it, I, you know, just take it from it what you will. Yeah, yeah, but, definitely. Um, yeah, yeah. He he, he valued. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, oh, read, read the books. They're I really, really good. yeah, because that's interesting. I, yeah, no, I think that's I think it's great. I think more more authors need to try it because huh. you know we're people <laughs> too. <laughs> Any, anyway, what are you reading, Tony? So, <clears throat> I found this um, article the other day on accident. That it's a Guardian article, and it was. Oh no, okay, never mind. I was going to go on accident. No, no, it was on accident. I went to LitHub, and they mm-hmm. had this article on there that was about um, valuing uh, slow reading, reading slowly, and I was like, okay, someone has lost their minds, um, or they're a genius. So I went to the, this article, and um, basically, they talked about how the writer Eun Lee, who is also a university professor. Um, intentionally reads well first of all she already reads slow but she intentionally yeah. like created a way in which to read so that it, it it prioritizes the slowness of her reading so she says that when her students come in and they say things like oh I can read 100 pages an hour she says no 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 I don't want you reading 100 pages an hour I want you reading 3 and she has a whole thing where she will read 10 books every day like at a time 10 books at a time every day but she will only read either three pages from each book or for half an hour out of each book and i decided that i wanted to try that and i wanted to try try it for the next year just to see what happens because i'm a slow reader and i thought maybe this is the solution to actually completing things because i will have a stack of 10 things that I can only read three pages per sit-down of each book. And because I'm doing the three pages over the course of 30 minutes, I will read the selection twice. So that... And it has a really, really interesting, profound effect on, on, on the effort of reading yeah. because I already read pretty deeply anyway. But when I go back that second time, because it's right away, I things jump out at me that literally... It was there before. I remember reading the words 10 minutes ago, but reading it again, it's like, oh, oh, that's what they're saying. And it's so interesting. And because there's 10 books, you're seeing all the very, very different ways in which writers manipulate language to get you to invest in the thing that they're writing about. So I have a few things. So there's Memorial by Brian Washington, which I'm reading. It's fantastic. Um, I'm rereading Real Life by Brandon Taylor um, because I love that book and I just want to revisit it before his next book comes out. Um, there is a poetry collection by my favorite poet, Ocean Vuong, called Time is a Mother. I read one poem from that this morning called Skinny Dipping, which was just lovely and wonderful because Ocean is lovely and wonderful. Mm-hmm. And then there's another book that is currently my favorite in the running of books that I'm reading right now. and. One of the books I'm reading is a Toni Morrison novel, so okay, he's, okay. he's beasting on Tony at the moment. That's ooh, not that's ooh. not easy. Um, it's a book called Gay Bar, Why We Went Out, by Jeremy Atherton Lynn. That guy can write. Like, it's disgusting what he's able to do with 
like language. I love it. So, all the only thing that all those books have in common is the fact that they're all queer men of color, which just makes me really happy as a human. I'm like, ah, oh, the range, the glory, we've arrived. I love it. So you know, that's what I'm doing. I, not exactly as deep as what you were talking about, but like I'm thinking <laughs> about slow reading for a minute, mm-hmm. for a few minutes since you started talking about it. I haven't been able to read more than like probably 10 pages at a time of Legends and Lattes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit busy, you know, busier than normal here and there, doing a few other things. Um, it's actually, inha- like, I really want to sit down and consume it all. I mean, I'm part of that binge culture. Sure. Like, I, I want it all. I want it now. Mm-hmm. But it is forcing me to slow down, read it a little more intentionally, a little more, you know, appreciatively. Mm-hmm. And I am thinking about it more. Um, I'm talking about it more just to other people. Do you know what it reminds me of? Hmm. It reminds me of the feeling we used to get with television back before you got a whole season mm-hmm. in a day. When you had to wait for a week. You had to wait or... for a whole week. And people didn't freak out. They didn't go, oh my God, I have to wait a week. Even if it was a, there was a cliffhanger, you're like, okay, I have to wait a week. I'm freaking out. But you also were like, I need to be home by 9.30 tonight. Come hell or high water, because Game of Thrones is coming on, and I need to find out what happened to Sansa. Okay, you know, just yeah. I love. I, I, it's we're we're in danger. I don't want to say in danger, like I'm some kind of you know neophyte, but we're losing it, and yeah. that shift can be challenging. So I'm. It's nice to go back to something that I am familiar with, and you know. You triggered another thought. And this is segueing into our topic. It's <laughs> Grant's like, like, I'm being cheated. Our today's <laughs> topic, dear listeners, was chosen by the impending birthday boy, Lord Ish. Oh my, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I'm the captain. Your use of props is always epic. Uh, I'm waiting for the day that we actually get a camera in here and do a live stream. Yeah, I know the, the people listening probably have absolutely no idea. For it doesn't you matter. who don't know our best, our best recorded laugh was when you pulled out that recorder. Oh my gosh. <laughs> for those who don't know. Lean in. All right, so so what so what 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 what's the okay. what, Grant has a captain's really, hat really for those quick. who can't Just, see. May, I, I'll I'll turn it over to you. Like the dungeon will be yours, Captain. It will no longer be the daddy's. Um, oh. <laughs> Just threw up in your mouth a little bit. I'm reading a book about <laughs> gay bars. You really want to go there? <laughs> um, but you remember, like back in the day, listening to the radio to record the creative mixtape, mm. or is this? Might be a little bit beyond your age. Oh, mixtapes, yeah. But you'd sit there and you'd be listening to whatever the radio is. In Jackson, is 105.3, and I'm trying to think, Live Rock 99, WFMK. Um, and you'd wait for the song, and someone would distract or yell, you know, and you'd be like, what? And then you'd come back, oh, i got to listen for like four more hours to get that song. It was an, a whole experience. And then you'd listen to that song over and over and over, like your, these mixtapes, you'd create mm-hmm. them and you'd listen to them over and over and over again. Now there are songs from the 80s and 90s that I know, just like, you put a, you know, the, the gun to my head to save my life and say, sing the entire, like the Dangerous album by Michael Jackson, I got you, I got you. There are albums out there like that that I could just, you say, for to save your life, you have to sing it word for word. Um, there are a number of albums from like 25, 30 years ago that I could do that to. Mm-hmm. Um, 
again, you, you know, it's it's just kind of a thought process as you were talking about that. It made me think about something else because how we appreciate and consume music. No, I mean, like I like I'm definitely past that age. The age of mixtapes, but mm-hmm. I, I would burn CDs and stuff, and I would take. When you had to sit in LimeWire for yeah. hours, and I would, I, I would take care of like, oh, oh how am I going to order this? How is the flow going to work? That's yeah, I still do that with Spotify. I, as do I. I love making yeah. playlists. Yes, stuff, yeah. all the time. Um, it's like second nature to me, actually. Mm-hmm. In fact, speaking of the subject, I have <laughs> love this. I got to see how many hours this is because it's huge. Um, Are you looking at your wrapped? No. Oh, I also, almost, I was wrong on every guess I made. Again, I almost said the F word. Um, so I have plenty of Spotify playlists, um, and a lot of them are devoted to my absolute obsession with film scores. Mm. Um, but I have one that I'm particularly proud of. It's called Solace, because that was the feeling I was going for. Mm-hmm. Um, it is five hours and 22 minutes of music, all of them from film scores. It starts with Wakanda Origins, which is the very first track on the first Black Panther score, and ends with A Small Measure of Peace, which is the final track on the Last Samurai score by one Hans Zimmer, and that score has no right to be that good. It was back when Hans Zimmer was that good, Um, and I will drag him for filth until he gets better. Um, That's great. Are you going to say Interstellar's subpar? Score to Interstellar? I need to listen to the score to Interstellar because when I was watching that movie, the last thing I was going to pay attention to was the score because okay. that movie is incredible. No, it is incredible. But um, the docking, uh, I forget what the, the, the song itself is called. It's like docking or something. Mm-hmm. But yeah. You'll know it when you hear it. It's, okay, it's I need the to, organ one. I do need to listen to that one, especially because Inception, is, I think, is one of his best things. And that was also a Christopher Nolan movie. So um, the less said about The Dark Knight, the better. Oh. Score-wise, it's trash. Um, anyway, <laughs> all of that is to say that I love film scores. I'm an obsessive person, and I make playlists out of them. It was a segue. Whatever. Oh. Yeah. Would you say that they, even without the visual thing, they tell a story? If you're really The best films do. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the treasure of the six George Lucas-directed Star Wars films. It's why those films work. Because they're all the visual things that he did, but the most important thing that he did was he gave John Williams the instruction, these are silent movies. Yes, I've given them dialogue. Yes, the actors have spoken them. Yes, the audience is going to hear them. But if by any chance in some alternate universe the uh, dialogue is lost for all time and all we have are my images and your music, the entire story still works. Mm -hmm. That is a genius way to play with sound. Mm-hmm. In a story, yeah. especially when you have someone as good as John Williams, <laughs> it's just like which... I, like, I like seeing those memes online where they talk like it's the little dialogue about oh, an yeah, yeah. image, and it's George to George is talking to John. He's like John, so it's it's just a movie about like it's kind of like a soap opera thing in space. You don't need you don't need to do anything that grand. And then the image below is a guy at a piano with flames yeah. erupting on the piano, <laughs> sparks and smoke and like chaos raining. That's so good. Because John Williams went hard. And he didn't have to. And I, I he went except, hard in a I lot. Think, except I think he really does. Well, Because yeah. he's impulsive like yeah. that. <laughs> no, and, and they weren't sure that like a classical style score would work at that no, time. At the time, like, no. Because they probably... 
like anybody else probably would have gotten like a, a synthesizer score or mm-hmm. something because he was the only one doing them mm-hmm. um, and he wasn't John Williams at the yeah. time he was you know that guy John Williams who, yeah right exactly yeah and then you know <laughs> Then he did Star Wars, and then they were like, want to do this William Faulkner adaptation that no one's going to care about? Which they don't. The Reavers? I haven't seen that. But the score to the Reavers? Gorgeous. <laughs> so, you know. It's, yeah. Music and stories. Speaking of John Williams, actually this segues very nicely into Aaron's part of this conversation. Um, because John Williams is John Williams, he gave us the Harry Potter theme songs, made them oh. memorable. We still hear that that's it. I don't. That's okay. That's my last bit. This is the genius about John Williams. If I go ba ba da ba, everyone's finishing it and going, oh yeah, Indiana Jones. If I go da 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 da, da we're all Everyone finishing it knows. and we're like it's Harry Potter. That's so genius to be able to just bum, 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 bum. right Jurassic Park. Wait, no, no. Superman. 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 Good thing the camera wasn't rolling. I was about I ready to grab my mug, smash, stab, stab. You're right. And he was about to launch yes. himself over the table. That was, I like. Oh. Yes, that's my, that's not my favorite part of the Superman score, but no, there's yes. a lot going on to that. But it, yes. I, as a Superman diehard Superman fan, that is not my favorite Williams work. Um, it's Star Wars, easily, hands down. Do you know what actually mine is? Hmm. Et. That hmm. is a really good one. Yeah, there's the one called the. I think it's called Flying. It's either called Flying or Flying with E.T. or Adventures on Flying or something like that. When, when they like cross the moon. Yeah, that moment, oh, like listening I, to I it. I can hear it, but I can't. Well, so it starts, it starts off chaotic. You can feel someone riding a bicycle listening to it. And it's, it, it, the more it moves into the symphony, the more it's this bombastic moment. And you can literally, like as you're listening to it, not only do you see that image, that iconic image of the bike, Going across in the shadow, going across the moon. But it makes me literally sob listening to it because I'm like, he's losing his friend. Like, it's it's unfair that that man's little notes on a paper and trumpets in a studio can make me feel like mm-hmm. that. Oh. Okay, I, I had to look it up really quick because I started thinking about another um, 80s, great 80s sci-fi classic that had a hell of a score. What are you going to say? Blade Runner? Vangelis? I was going to say Back to the Future. Okay. Also good. Oh, wait, Alan Back to the Future. Silvestri? Oh, Alan Silvestri is a genius. Portals, Aaron. Thank you. Want to tell us about Portals? Yes. Oh, how it makes me feel insanely intense the whole entire time and how it leads into the the silent guitar end of one sir uh spoiler alert toy tony stark over here in the corner which then leads into the funeral song which is just as mm. heart-wrenching yes yeah yeah alan's okay alan Silvestri was rude with infinity war and endgame because he wrote out like four scores you don't need anything more than that and the way that he built an entire score sound off of just those four different... I, I'm just like, excuse me, but you, what? That's not Uh-oh. fair. Rude. So, you know, that's just... Brought out an actual thing. Um, There's another prop, Grant. I want to know more. Oh, well, this isn't a prop. It's just a... He brought a list. Yeah. I that's, want that's, a list. No, I'll, I'll go on a little uh, mini mini lecture towards the end, maybe, where... I want to... Okay, well, okay, fine. Okay. All right, I kind of... <laughs> I kind of want to tangentially connect it to books. 
So. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, no! I kind of want to talk a little bit about artists <laughs> or albums that are inspired by literature. Yes, go! Um, or, and if anybody knows of anything, feel free to jump it in. Um, I just want to see. All right, so. I'll start out with this. Okay. Schools right now. So I, I listened to these albums before I read Moby Dick, and they're part of the reason I read Moby Dick. Really? Um, okay. They're both album-length adaptations of the novel Moby Dick by Herman Melville, um, and they're handled musically. They're handled a little differently, but um, the first one is "The Call of the Wretched Sea" by Ahab, an appropriately named band, <laughs> of course. Right? Yeah. They kind of exhausted the. Uh, Moe Dick theme on the first one, so they just did other nautical stories afterwards. I but, you know, yes. Um, but man, it really makes you feel like you're like a lot of the lyrics are taken directly from mm-hmm. the novel. Yeah. Um, and just the down tuned guitars are so heavy and crushing, and the pace is so glacial, mm. like really, really glacial. It Interesting. just makes you feel like you're in a you know, you're on the ocean or being crushed by the weight of the ocean or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just feel, you know, it, it's a very atmospheric lesson. Um, then the second one is Leviathan by Mastodon. Ah. Wow. Um, this is also another retelling of Moby Dick. Sure. Um, this one kind of lyrically, it doesn't pull, like, I don't, at least in my reading, it doesn't, like, pull directly from, like, actual lines in the book. Yeah. For most of the most of the part, it, it like gets more psychologically in the characters' minds and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but man, that's a crazy album. Um, mm. Like I think it's the song Megalodon, mm-hmm. where it starts out starts out um, kind of mid paced riffing, yada 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 yada. Halfway through, for no gosh darn reason, it stops. And then there's a country riff out of nowhere. Never never happens again. Whoa. It's just like a like a blues country like, and then then they go right back to it, but it works perfectly. It's almost like they're taking the style of Moby Dick, which um, Juno Diaz has said is one of the more most modernist books not published now, mm-hmm. um, because it it is extremely postmodern in its the way that it just it, it brings together a lot of different yeah a lot of different like, yeah exactly, and it, it was done before there was ever a post. It was done about a. I don't know, like eighty years before a postmodern. It was done before the modernists. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, which is like, like way before the modernists, mm-hmm. which is nonsense to think about. Um, so yeah, yeah. No, anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a, those are just two albums I liked. Um, yeah. Is this kind of an excuse to talk about music? I was like, yes. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I can already see it. Is. <laughs> yes. It's um, your birthday cast. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, so I think a pretty widespread book. Slash series, whatever you want to call it, that's inspired a lot of music. <coughs> Lord of the Rings. It's a book. It's a book. Okay. No, sorry. I, I, I would I would call it a single work as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, one of the more notable ones that was really inspired is Led Zeppelin. Um, oh, that's right. They were, weren't they? Yeah, they were. Yeah. They were huge nerds. Um, Misty Mountain Hop. Oh, Misty that's hilarious. The Battle of Evermore, which has a, a lot of, this is full, full of Lord of the Rings references. It references the ring wraiths at one point. Please tell me the Immigrant Song. Immigrant Song is about Vikings. <laughs> I, I, I figured it was, but I'm like, please tell me it had some foundation within that. Like, that is a, that's, a, that's a song. It is. Ramble On, um, by name, references Mordor and Gollum. What? A lot of people don't, like, like they just kind of, you know, they like the song. But yeah. Uh, even Stairway to Heaven, I think somewhere deep in there, it has some 
it's not like concrete. It's an oblique reference to sure. Lord of the Rings, but and there's yeah. there's all this sprinkle around their discography and stuff. But it's huh. there's a bit like it just kind of added to their mystical vibe, I guess. That's genius. It was just the time. Um, yeah. Rush has a song called Rivendell. Also, a bunch of Ayn Rand stuff references that we won't talk about. <laughs> <laughs> she who shall not be named. Um, Blind Guardian, which is a European power metal band, they have a album called Nightfall in Middle-Earth, which is a complete retelling of the Silmarillion. Um, what? Yep. Uh, Summoning is a band. Everything they write is Lord of the Rings reference. Nice. Uh, and a whole bunch of bands that aren't necessarily, um, like everything that they do isn't Lord of the Rings related, but yeah. they're just named after it. Amon Marth, Burzum, Sirith Gorgor, Kirith Ungol, Ethel Duath, Gorgoroth, Isengard, Morgoth, Assorted names like that yeah I want you to create a Spotify yeah. playlist and include us all you're, like, per, you're acting like I haven't already created I was gonna say oh, come on okay <laughs> he <laughs> just hasn't shared it with us yet yeah the link will be included in the, the bo- all right, yeah and tell me if you want to break this up because I can no this is no okay. no, no, no all right so um and then kind of getting into like more classical stuff mm-hmm. classical literature um Symphony X has a really good album called The Odyssey which I'm going to give you a while, you know, take a wild guess what it's based on. <laughs> yeah. The Iliad, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who wrote that? Who wrote it? Oh. Oh, well, actually, <laughs> technically, I'm sure that is some doubt. hotly debated because Homer, the human, the person, was blind and illiterate, but also in Greek, the word that is translated from Greek that we see as Homer actually means a group of storytellers, a group of oral storytellers rather than just a single person. So you think it was a group so rather than a human? a group rather than one human. And the one human who may have like physically written down what was in oral tradition mm-hmm. um, was probably not the blind and illiterate guy who gets the credit. Okay, next. <laughs> okay, you know. Sorry. No, that's okay. Um, David Bowie... Uh, he he has an, a, a song called 1984, which is obviously mm-hmm. about 1984. But um, the whole album Diamond Dogs, which is like 70, I can't remember the exact year. But um, a lot of it's like because he had he had an idea to make it 1984 stage production musical. <gasps> this reminds which, me of Tanzer Vampire already, which I really wish would have happened. How do you turn 1984 into a musical? Very carefully. Well, it didn't turn out. Um, yeah. So, but a lot of those songs ended up being songs on that album, and um, like you can pick up a lot of the threads from the book if you listen to the lyrics and stuff. It's a very dystopian album. Huh. Fun, relevant fact: hmm. by J.K. Rowling's own admission hmm. to Oprah, so you can look up the interview. Michael Jackson wanted to do the Harry Potter musical. Like an official Harry Potter musical. Really? Yep, petitioned her and everything. And she was like, nope. I mean, there was... There Hello? Was, there we was, could have gotten an official one? There was some stuff going on around that time that maybe, you know... Oh, yeah, that's true. There was. That's true, yeah. yeah. You, yes, let's market all of our things to children from that guy. Yeah. Um, so I am saddened. You know? Yeah. I could have gotten an actual Harry Potter musical. I mean, you still might. I, it just won't be. We got some unofficial ones. I do have unofficial ones. It's fine. Keep that's going true. and we'll get there at the very end. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> gotta wipe the tears. What could have been? Um, the, the the band Bolt Thrower has uh, 
a lot of their songs have to do with Warhammer, the Warhammer universe. So oh, yeah. Colin, Colin Christian somewhere. <laughs> I know Christian's no, that's actually really kind of cool because Warhammer, it feels like to me, has that kind of world building that you could write. Like, it does. Some it's cool nuts. Stuff, yeah. Um, Kate Bush has a song inspired by Ulysses by James Joyce. Okay. She has a song called Wuthering Heights, based on Wuthering Heights. <laughs> In general, she she has she has a lot of um. She seems to be a very well-read person. Mm. There are so um, many in this next one. Yes. So the number one artist I think of when like inspired by books, literature, stuff like that, mm-hmm. is definitely Iron Maiden. Oh, okay. And oh. like, like, okay. So this is a, this is a non-exhaustive list. Um, I, I'm not kidding. This is a very long list. Yes. I'm excited. So. Scroll um, opens up, it rolls across the floor, goes around the table three times. <laughs> no, and, and, and I think part of the reason why Iron Maiden in particular is yeah. so good at this is because of the storytelling element of their music, mm. like with their galloping rhythms and uh, mm. the operatic vocals and everything. It just feels like they're being taken along on this ride. Yeah. And, I feel, and they seem to be, be another well-read group of artists. So, um, Stranger in a Strange Land, huh. Brave New World, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. The uh, oh. um, who's that? Uh, uh, Ender's Ender Game, Orson Scott Card series. Oh, song. nice. Um, when the Wild Wind Blows, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, based off of the epic Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. It's one of their best songs. It's fourteen minutes. Get long. out! Oh my gosh. Um, Phantom of the Opera, Murders in the Room Morgue, Lord of the Flies, mm. Out of the Silent Planet, and perhaps Out of the Silent Planet. Out of the Silent Planet by C.S. Lewis. What? There's a whole song based on it. Um, and perhaps the most pertinent to like my tastes and stuff, um, to Tame a Land, which is based on none other than Frank Herbert's Dune. Dun dun dun. Da, 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 da. Fascinating. It starts out with just this kind of atmospheric, you know, wind, sand yeah. noise, and then the whole song kick, kicks into gear, and it's like um, Middle Eastern scales and stuff, and it's really awesome. Iron Maiden got to it before Toto did. That's true. <laughs> I, I, I like I like Toto too, but um, I know. <laughs> And fun fact, they, it was a, the song was originally going to be called Dune, mm-hmm. and they, they wrote to Frank Herbert's like agent, you know, can we call it? Did Dune? they get, get they, they did they get told no? They got told no in in kind of mean terms. As much as I love, love Frank Herbert, it it was it, it was it was a short but terse intense no. <laughs> letter. It said part of it read, uh, Frank Herbert does not like rock bands, particularly heavy rock bands, and especially heavy rock bands like Iron Maiden. So. Which I find very ironic coming from from a science fiction writer, which is a genre that took a very long time to be taken seriously. Yes, especially because he was writing what you could arguably easily call a space opera, which was extremely denigrated at the time he was writing it. That's true. Yeah, that's funny. All right, <laughs> and okay, final part of my little my little video essay <laughs> or wow. audio essay. Um, so these are some artists who. I'd say would tell stories that are worth, that, that like are substantive enough to stand up against like book series or something. Like mm-hmm. they have narratives that are told from album to album or song to song or oh. s- songs from di- okay. Yeah. So, Coheed and Cambria, um, they have a sci-fi story from album to album, mm-hmm. same characters and everything, and they actually have a comic book series that goes along with it. Oh, that's cool. Um, called the Amory Wars. I haven't read them. Mm-hmm. Opinions on the quality of the comics themselves vary. Very of course. Um, yeah. The music's the main, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Voivod, one of my favorite bands, um, 
that's another sci-fi mm-hmm. epic about a character called Korgul the Exterminator. <laughs> nice. um, they started in the, in the 80s, so they, yeah. they kind of started with that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, although their style kind of changes, you know, throughout the years, um, they get more progressive as they go on. Um, the story yeah. continues. Um, oh, let's see. Magma, that's a prog rock band from the 70s. They invented an entire language um, for their... That's universe that they told brilliant uh, and then they had I think they have like translations in the liner yeah. notes and stuff what? Um, more modern one uh, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard another one of my favorites <laughs> I love that <laughs> um, they uh, they're, they're another band that like from album to album they jump from style like they, they have mm-hmm. a they have a thrash metal album they have a psychedelic rock album they have a folk album um, but it was kind of a conspiracy theory among the fans that they were all connected until fairly recently. And like, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's like a shared universe and like like these little characters and stories, storylines that you picked up on it. It's called they call it the Gizverse. The Gizverse. The Gizverse. So it's beautiful. It's wonderful. I'm surprised nobody's mentioned Glory Hammer in this. Glory Hammer. Yeah, they have a whole entire space opera thing dedicated about this guy named Angus McFife, who oh. goes on a whole entire mission to defeat a sorcerer, and it's two albums. That's cool. Is, is that the uh, the album covers the guy with the hammer? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's a whole thing. Yeah. It's fantastic. So fascinatingly enough, it is out of this exact kind of thing that Afrofuturism was born. And I forgot I wrote Jonet. Janelle Monae. Yes. So before Janelle Monae, um, and I think she's admitted to being inspired by. The early musical Afrofuturists of the you know late seventies and eighties, mm-hmm. um, but a lot of literary like science fiction writers who are you know black as well. There a lot, a lot now, as not as much then. Um, but they quibble or have quibbled with Afrofuturism as a literary context because its source code is in music um, and art, but. It's stuff like, um, oh god, what is his, that band? Parliament? Par- yes, um, Parliament Funkadelic is a huge um, um, contributor to this, and sort of like the mainstay. There's um, also Sun Ra um, is another one, that's another huge one. And then of course, you know, a modern example is Janelle Monae. Um, and they all sort of have literally created like Janelle has this like robot universe mm-hmm. that she works in um, and it's cool to know that like people are creating entire story universes like narrative universes yeah. but in lyrics like in song lyrics it's just another way of getting a story across mm-hmm. yeah I think visually you can see it in people like Lil Nas X there's and even Lady Gaga there's something it's not just, oh, these are weird, like, freaky kind of people doing weird things. No, no, there's a story being told over mm-hmm. a period of time with some of those costumes. If you piece them together, mm-hmm. you can sort of see, like, you're like, what is going on here? Okay. Kind, kind of similar with David Bowie, where he had those mm-hmm. very different characters. I don't Absolutely. necessarily know if it was, like, one comprehensive story. Yeah, but, because but, David Bowie comes out of the, um, oh, what is that tradition of, of rock music? The, glam rock? The glam rock, yeah. So, I mean, yes. glam rock was all about, this was glam rock too. you know, 
being a drag queen without being a drag queen, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Set to rock music. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. Sorry for yelling at you guys. For what? Like 10 I, minutes. I, I, I you weren't would... yelling. You were enthusiastic. <laughs> I was enthusiastic. So what do you think we do? <laughs> Is no. this how you feel all the time? Yes. 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 Literally. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, all the time. I was told before we leave that I have to mention Starkid at least once in this yes. podcast. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, because Starkid is an exemplar of that? this. Tony. Oh, of course I did. Who's Starkid? I'm going to throw a I legitimately don't know. Oh. Like, that's not like trying to get like a... Have you ever heard of a very Potter musical? Oh, okay. I've yeah, heard. that's Stark. Yeah. Starkid is the theater troupe that gave us the unofficial Harry Potter musical that we never got with Michael Jackson. Thanks, J.K. Rowling. No, actually, um, thanks, J.K. Rowling, because I feel like it would have been terrible if Michael Jackson did it. Uh, but like maybe also literature as you know music being told Percy Jackson's musical was really good too oh I've heard that's really good yeah that one's really good but yeah the Crosswell really wants yeah, to do it Star Kids musicals yeah. also tell a couple different stories there's obviously the Harry Potter ones mm-hmm. but they've also told Aladdin in oh, one of them they've told yeah, literally good. Batman versus Superman in one of them um, <laughs> it's called Holy Musical Batman Batman, yes. But Batman with an at symbol instead of an AT because they can't physically use the word Batman. Right. Is that the um, one where the penguin is assaulted with a. Uh, <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah. um, they, <laughs> I've seen the clip. I've they've seen also the told uh, The Little Mermaid, but with uh, bugs on a planet. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. Uh, <laughs> that was, that's one of my favorites, actually. Uh, it's Little Mermaid, but except uh, Ariel is a bug and he wants to become a Starship Ranger. And uh, he uh, escapes and becomes human and joins the Starship Rangers and has to stop them from murdering his planet. Meanwhile, there's an alternate plot to destroy the Starship Troopers via the planet. I was going to say, you do realize this is Starship Troopers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, as much as it's Little Mermaid, it's also Starship Um, Troopers. And then they also told uh, (laughs) my other personal favorite is uh, Oregon Trail. Oh, yeah. They do yeah. a whole Oregon Trail musical where they turn around and the audience gets to participate and pick all the people and then who dies mm-hmm. throughout the whole entire musical. There is a, just keeping on the theme, theme. there's a great song in the most recent Harry Styles album. It's, I think it's my favorite one of the, of the album and might be my favorite one of his overall. Um, it's called Matilda. Mm-hmm. For obvious reasons. It's about Matilda. But what he does is he gives Matilda... A future. He grows her up and says, all right, what if this girl becomes a woman and is about to have a family, but is freaking out a little bit about it, is having like some anxiety because of the family that she came from. And he like literally is telling her as if he's her boyfriend almost like, it's okay. You can, you deserve to have a family. You deserve to be okay. You deserve for the people you go home to, to have like, to love you. And I'm just like, like, you cannot listen to that song without crying. Because on topic, but also oh. off topic, everyone watch Matilda when it comes out on Christmas. Oh, yeah, the Matilda musical? It's going to be yeah. on Netflix. Speaking of, speaking of a book becoming a music entity thing, the Matilda musical, honestly, and I'm going to say this, and everybody who's ever read Matilda is going to hate me, and all of y'all can fall down the YSD stairs. <laughs> <laughs> Matilda the musical improves upon the book. Oh my god, I've the movie, like, they've only really showed Revolting Children, and that's what's become the meme lately, is, uh, oh, sure, from yes. the musical. Because Revolting Children's a great number. <laughs> it gets better. The dance is insane. 
insane. Ooh, I could I could see that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. To be honest, like a lot of people too, because like obviously I've been throwing myself around TikTok lately, but a lot of people have been just kind of sitting there going, I don't remember this, and like going off, and we're like just in like the book or yeah, like, yeah, and we're just right. like, well, that's because the musicals. Better. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, also uh, we have other musical adaptations of Ronald Dahl stuff. I saw a TikTok the other day about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory that I didn't realize that in the American version of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Hmm. For you mean the original published one. The Broadway version. Oh, and the musical. Oh, never mind. I thought you were going somewhere. They else. Uh, deal with Veruca in a way that I didn't think they would be dealing with Veruca, but they did. Oh, see, you have to understand something about Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, or Char- well, it was Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. But I saw Willy Wonka with Gene Wilder, and that movie freaked me. So out did so I. Much. Yeah, that movie freaked me out so much that I was like, I'm fully disengaged from this entire universe. So but I wasn't who- ready for squirrels dragging around a leg from a mannequin. I know. I just am telling you, I didn't get the reference because I'm like, I. Anytime anyone says, why Charlie did it terrify Char- you? Because it's weird. It's really weird, and I don't know why people like that story so much. Like, I'm like, what is? If am I? Do I need to read the book? Am I missing something? No, this is demented. It is, it is a fun book, and I like the Great Glass Elevator as well. I've heard a lot of people say they like the Great Glass Elevator. Yeah, I've never um, actually read the Great Glass Elevator. I do Glass want to throw, uh, throw it out there that the Sock is doing in 2024. They've got the rights to do the newer um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. That was recently on Broadway. There was a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory recently on Broadway? Yeah! Oh, That's the one that I'm talking about! Oh, I didn't know. Do the Oompa Loompa yeah. songs remain intact? Yes, but like. Faruka goes through some unaliving. Oh, the. Unaliving. Unaliving. Be a squirrel. We don't want to be so negative just to say dying or dead. She just. She's unalive. <laughs> you don't want to be negative in a roll doll adaptation. That's hilarious. I love that. I even, oh man. Speaking yeah. of Lord of the Flies, I'm surprised you didn't mention the Offspring song that goes with it too. I haven't heard it. Which way? I'm sorry. You're Gonna Go Far Kid by the Offspring is all about Lord of the Flies. I did not know that. I didn't know that either. I mean, granted, I don't really care for a lot of their stuff anyways, just because they, they, they're very monotone and I could go on for like ages about like how much I hate it with everyone Johnny One Notes a song. But yeah. um, hmm. monotone is when they just do the same note the whole entire time. Yeah, girl, I was inspired. For I the know. audience, I'm just staring at you because you're across the oh, table. I'm just like, congratulations. <laughs> um, I was like, what? But they have the whole entire song that's about Lord of the Flies too. But however, you know what? I should say this um, because it fits within the vein. The best musical adaptation, which they really just stole the movie and threw it up on stage, but that doesn't matter the best musical adaptation of a dreadful, terrible, stupid, <laughs> unintelligible What book. is it? The Wizard of Oz. Oh. The Wiz? The Wizard of Oz. The Wiz is great. Even though I haven't seen it, I've heard it. But The Wizard of Oz, the movie, and then the stage musical is incredible. The book is trash. I thought, I thought you were saying the movie Wicked? Was no, no, Wicked the movie's is fantastic. The, Wicked is the exact same way. Is it the really? The book? Book? Trash. Do not read. <laughs> I don't. The book. Do not read. Do not finish. Do not open. 
I've never read it. The so musical, though, was good. He recently wrote, like, a sequel to it. You mean another one? Yeah. <laughs> this is like a whole no, series. No, like the ones that we have, like on the that we just recently got on the shelf. Yeah. The um, was it? Is it Barry Bear, Maguire? Bear, yeah. Barry yeah. Coon. Bear, not Barry I Coon, have no the, idea. Oh, it's just I hated processing it because it was only like a half jacket, where it only covered half the oh, book, yeah, and I absolutely hate those. Publishers, if you do that again, <laughs> oh, no. listen. Let me tell you, the publishers don't care about libraries. I know they don't. Period. But we I don't just, make the money. I just <laughs> so. I hate them books. This is that's part of the reason why I throw away all my dust jackets. I that makes sense to me. I will say I did enjoy um, Wicked, the book. Um, I have no inclination to go, like it was good. I enjoyed it, but it's a kind of one and done. Like I wasn't engaged enough to go read the next one or the next one. Oh, okay. Um, but it was fun. I liked it. It's fun, but that's it. <laughs> the Brides of Maricor. That's the one you think. Sure, you that one. Yeah. I, to be honest, I saw it and I went, oh, look, another one, and I put it on the shelf. <laughs> I, I want to read Wicked. I just haven't gotten there yet. I do think, you want my copy? Uh, to, I have a copy. Okay. Um, I was like, do you want my green-colored copy? Be, yeah, I do. Um, but to be perfectly honest, Wicked the Musical is overrated. Yes, you can shoot me in an alley, but it's overrated. To be honest, you're not wrong. Yeah. Um, actually, a lot of I, I liked it, but one time was good. And th- I'm saying this as a Stephen Schwartz fan. Yeah. But if I were going for favorite Stephen Schwartz anything, it would be Godspell all day long because the music to Godspell is genius. The lyrics make me want to bow down to the Jesus I don't believe in. Like <laughs> Stephen Schwartz could convert me to Christianity from Godspell alone. That's how. Excellent. Godspell is. The movie is weird. It's not bad. It's yeah. just weird. I haven't um, seen it. So if you're familiar enough with the music and the musical, or if you've seen a stage adaptation, watch the movie for sure. But don't start your Godspell love with the movie. Well, actually, you might are be you all right. Are you telling me to watch the movie? Are you telling me to watch? You're an '80s kid. You might be all right. Yeah. Um, I am not an '80s kid, and I saw it on a, on a bus choir trip, and I was like. What are they doing to Jesus? Why are they crucifying him on a fence? What is happening here? I just was not okay. Um, but anyway. Can I say before Aaron leaves, thank you, Grant. We talked music. We had a few conversations so about what this could be. And you even said a few things about storytelling. But you came prepared. Well, thank you. And it was <laughs> solid. I, I need you to solid. take a picture of this yeah. list. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Fantastic. I need the list to also be just attached as like a random Imgur link. I, it will, I'll get a photo of it in a second. It, it was, yeah, yeah. That, oh, that was great. Thank you. Put it in the Instagram post with a future like, what are we talking about, Tag? <laughs> that was good stuff. I mean, Andy's well, also coming out to the desk in a hot yeah. minute. Yeah. I'm just making sure somebody covers it. Yeah. I'm going to dinner. Yep. <laughs> well, I think in a few weeks we'll have to get back on board and like, we'll start a new year. Like-